Hello. Hey, how's it going? Not bad, you? Great, thanks, great. So what's the, uh, what's the venue? What's, uh, what's the speech? Well, I'm in a town here that I, I don't live in, and I'm actually here for a few months on business, and there's a coffee shop around the corner that have lectures on stuff like that all the time. And I was talking to the owner the other day, and I asked him if uh, I could put on a little talk or lecture on anarchism and morals and, you know, how they, at least how I see it. And he thought it was interesting, and he said, okay. And he asked me when, and I said, okay, well, let me plan something, and then uh, I'll have a better idea. (laughs) Right, right. And um, how would you like to, have you thought of approaching it? Well, I thought of approaching it in the sense of starting with the non-aggression principle kind of perspective so I can get people kind of on board with me because most people tend to agree with the non-aggression principle and then work my way on to like where like government and maybe talk a little bit of statistics. Basically, I have uh, 20 minutes and then it's question and answer. Right, right, right. Well, I can certainly give you some of my thoughts, and obviously it's your presentation when it comes down to the uh, to the reality of it, but I can certainly give you some stuff that's worked for me, and um, uh, and you can let me know. Uh, now, I wouldn't necessarily put anarchism in the title, um, okay. of the, because it's going to draw a certain kind of, quote, anarchist, you know, the sort of Sid Vicious kind. True. And, you know, it's like, if you're going to talk about nihilism and you put nihilism into the um, into the topic, then you draw people who aren't necessarily philosophical, but just kind of emo, right? So, uh, you know, society ethics or, you know, voluntarism and society, you know, whatever it is, right? That would be sort of my, my suggestion first and foremost. Okay. And then, I, sorry, go ahead. I completely agree with that. I've, I've encountered that several times. I've had a uh, guy at a bar once ask me after having a few minutes of just standard political talk, nothing specific. He kind of asked me abruptly, what what do you believe in? Like, what are you, conservative? And I was like, well, I'm kind of following anarcho-capitalism. And he's like, what's that? And I'm like, well, anarchy mixed with capitalism. And he almost lunged across the bar to like attack me. It was the most strangest experience I've had. Yeah. I mean, we don't don't own the word anarchism. The word anarchism has been owned by statists, right, who have defined it in such a way that no reasonable person would be for it. Uh, no quote reasonable, right? No, no person who's not familiar with the theories. And so, you know, it's, it's just a word that you, you can't really, uh, you know, we can't really use. You know, we can't reclaim it like the, the N word for black people. They can reclaim that word in a kind of cool way. Um, we're, we're not there yet. So, uh, so I think that, um, uh, I wouldn't do it myself. And I think that I would start with, the system doesn't work, you know, because it's the whole thing. Like, you don't want to be a solution in search of a problem, right? So uh, the first thing I would say is, you know, the system the system clearly doesn't work. Uh, and uh, you're in the States, right? So you can have all the statistics in the world about the 100000 or $200,000 owed per household on the national debt. Um, you know, uh, unjust wars, uh, terrible uh, statistics on the literacy rate of high school graduates, you know, the, the system the system doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm and, in Canada. Uh, sorry? Actually, I'm in Canada. Oh, Canada. Well, yeah. it's it's still pretty similar statistics. <laughs> um, uh, we have, you know, a massive sort of welfare state and all this. And the um, there was an article in McLean's just about how 
the boomers are just starting to hit uh, the the medical system as they retire, and uh, it's like ten to fifteen times per year the cost for an older person than for a younger person in the healthcare system. So it's just not it's not sustainable. It's not it's not going to work, and um, or it doesn't it doesn't work. Like if it, mathematically, it can't continue. So the question of the status quo doesn't exist. Right? There's no such thing as keep doing what we're doing. That mathematically doesn't. Uh, doesn't well, work. it's it's been shown repeatedly that it it'll fail in any kind of simulation. What we're currently doing. Sure, sure, and uh, you know you don't even need to have. You just need to project forward five or ten years, and uh, everybody gets you know that this is. And it's not just us, right? I mean, it's it's all uh, governments around the world. I mean, Greece. And uh, the, I mean, the, the Greece is pulling down the euro, and they're having this massive bailout, and America is going into the tank, and uh, all these kinds of things. So, um, so most governments, and where, where the economies are doing somewhat better, you have these repressive regimes, like in China and India and other parts of Asia. So, so the system as a whole doesn't it doesn't work, and um, uh, democracy has gone through so many manifestations throughout its history that it doesn't seem very likely that one more manifestation uh, isn't going to work. Now, I was thinking about a quote by Winston Churchill the other day who said, democracy is the worst system in the world of government, except for all the others. And I actually kind of agree with that. <laughs> you know, it is <laughs> one of the better systems of government. It's just that the, the question is not what sort of government we should, we should choose. That, that's sort of begging the question. Uh, you know, that's saying, if you were in the 17th century, that's like saying, what kind of slavery do we want? Well, that's kind of begging the question, right? The, the question is, do we want slavery at all? And the question that we should be asking is if we have an institution that has repeatedly and catastrophically failed for the past five or 10,000 years, is it possible? Is it possible that we can have thoughts about a society without this destructive institution at its core? I mean, it's possible, you know, and I would just throw it out there. Let's just put this a thought experiment. Let's just do a thought experiment, not, you know, let's go uh, turn over the houses of parliament and, and fill them with potted plants. Uh, you know, it's just a thought experiment. Uh, what are the possibilities? Well, one nice thing about anarchism, of course, or one nice thing about voluntarism or whatever you're going to call it, is that it is consistent with moral principles that we all already accept, right? I mean, nobody here, I assume you're in a coffee shop, right? Is there nobody here has used violence to get their cup of coffee, right? Mm -hmm. and, Very true. Uh, you, you, I assume you all paid. Uh, I assume that you uh, did not use violence to get the clothes on your back, that you did not use violence to get here. You didn't grab a hobo and whip him until he charged into the place and dumped you off his back, right? So <laughs> so everybody's living this life of, of nonviolence, and we all say and we all accept that violence is a bad way to solve problems. It doesn't really solve problems except in the very short run for the person with the gun. But in the long run, things get bad for everyone, including the guy with the gun, right? So so we all accept that in the personal sphere, but it's a real challenge for us to extend that thinking to the public sphere, right, to the sphere of government. We've just lived with this institution so long that it seems completely freaky to think of life without it. But we've had even bigger revolutions in the past, right? So we've had rights for women, unthinkable throughout most of history. We've had the end of slavery, at least formal slavery. And that's, you know, that's fantastic. We're starting to think about rights and protections for children. 
uh, and that's fantastic. So we've had these moral revolutions where stuff which has just been central to human society throughout its history is called into question, is examined with a Socratic moral rigor, and is found to be invalid. And people then take the courage to rebuild society according to universal moral principles. And then, you know, I just sort of go into the NAP, but that would sort of be an introduction that that could be helpful, you know, in a way of just helping people to put into context what it is that, that you're saying. Exactly. Um, my biggest belief is that we need to educate more people with this kind of thinking because so many people are just, they absolutely worship the government without even realizing they worship it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I know what you mean. I wouldn't say that they worship it. I mean, you could be right in terms of the people that you've met. What I would say is that when you say to people, society without government, what they hear is like marriage without people, uh, children without parents, um, uh, mass without gravity. Like it, it doesn't make any sense because we just associate the two things. We think group of people, compulsive, uh, compulsion hierarchy, violent hierarchy to, to organize them. I mean, that's, that's just what we think. Uh, in the same way that, you know, you wake up, you look around in the 10th century, you say, hey, this world is pretty flat, right? It's just, it's just the way things are. Uh, and, um, uh, but, but we need to do better. I mean, we need to be more creative, more imaginative in solving, uh, these problems. And, um, uh, and so, you know, that's the invitation, right? And we have this weird mutation, right? So in the private sphere, uh, with you and I, uh, all of us here, we, we don't have a government in this coffee shop. We, we don't. Uh, we can debate. We, you can interrupt if you want. We can get into it. We don't have uh, a government. Now, there's no government in a sense on the street. There's no government in the town uh, in, in just in terms of your everyday interactions with people. But when we move into society as a whole or countries as a whole, suddenly it's impossible to imagine that human beings can get along without this big violent hierarchy in the center of things. And that creates a huge logical and moral problem. Look, is violence a good way to solve problems or is it a bad way to solve problems? If violence is a good way to solve problems, why is it only the government that gets to do it? And if violence is a bad way to solve the, pro the, 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 the problems of society, then why do we have this compulsive hierarchy uh, in, in the, at the center of things? And these are not abstract questions, right? These are not abstract questions because... Uh, we have governments that uh, do not stay stable in their use of violence. The Indian government is dozens of times larger now per capita uh, and and even adjusted for inflation than it was at the beginning of things. Uh, governments continue to grow and grow. It's not a, they're not stable, right? So we're not talking about, I don't know, a freckle. We're talking about skin cancer. It's not a stable situation. Uh, and, and that is something that we, we are going to have to address sooner or later. We have to, as a society, address the problem of violence in the way that we organize things. Do we need the violence of taxation? Uh, do we need the violence of, of prisons? Do we need the violence of the state? Uh, do we need the, the hidden violence of inflation and national debts? Uh, do we need to force parents to pay for education? Would they not do it otherwise? Uh, do we need to force people to be charitable? Do we need to force people to take care of the sick? Do we need to force people to take care of the old? Well, if we do then we have a problem because these governments are never stable. They continue to grow and they eventually collapse uh, always throughout history. 
And so we then the best thing we can do is is it's like a tent that's continually collapsing on you. The best thing you can do is prop it up a little bit before the whole thing finally caves in. That's the best that can conceivably be hoped for is some sort of new society or some sort of revolution that keeps the government at bay for a generation or two or three. And then it swells and eats up everything and everything collapses. And there's this, you know, crushing debt and burden. The economy breaks apart and then you slowly rebuild things and then it starts all over again. I don't think that that's the best that human beings can do. I think that human beings who can uh, build computers and uh, nanotechnology and uh, uh, 3D movies can can do better than this, you know, constant heart attack followed by fatty foods, followed by heart attack uh, of of governments. I think we can I, do better. I agree completely, and this is why I want to do this. I want to help educate this kind of system because I find that even out of my friends that completely agree with me. They're like, oh, but I'm not going to talk to anyone else about this. They're like, they're kind of afraid to talk to their friends about it. They're, they're just, to them, it's just like, oh, I agree with you completely, but then they just go on and live normal. And I, I just, to me, I think that's part of the problem. So I kind of want to do anything I can to go against that. And oh, no, good for you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just sort of saying the things that I found. Oh, no, I know. In, uh, I'm in trying to get others. No, I, I think what you're doing is fantastic. I hope that you record it and you'll be able to post it on the message board so that people can uh, uh, can hear what it is that you're saying. And and if people get all kinds of hoity, you know, like, oh, we've got a great system of this and that, you know, a question that could be helpful to ask people is, so, so what you're saying is that we're done. You know, like that, that a government that continually grows, that gets into completely unsustainable debts, that, that cannot educate its children with any kind of efficiency that, uh, uh, you know, ridiculously overspends and creates a system that is completely unsustainable and is going to crash in a terrible way. That that's that we're done. That's the very best that we can do. You know, and, and of course, if you took a car in that was on its last legs and, you know, coughing, I don't know, horse shit out of its carburetor, <laughs> and they, they said, well, we've put four Band-Aids on it. It should be able to get you home, and then it's going to break down again. Would you say, great. You know, that's a fantastic job. No, you'd say, look, this repetitive crisis is not is not great. And you just have to look at the 20th century, right? I mean, you've got the the um, the arms race uh, between England and uh, Germany and, and France and to some degree. Uh, America in the early 1900s, uh, you have a crash, I think, in 1905. Uh, you have um, wars uh, in, in Asia in 1905. You have the First World War. Uh, you have the Communist Revolution. You have... The hyperinflation, uh, sorry, you have, yeah, you have the hyperinflation in Germany and you have the massive, um, uh, re, uh, stock market bubble in the 1920s. You've got a massive depression. Uh, you've got the first, the second world war. Um, you have, uh, the war in Korea. You have the war in Vietnam. I mean, just talking about American imperialism, let alone what's going on in the rest of the world. You've got the uh, tens of millions of people slaughtered in the Soviet empire, uh, in the Chinese empire. You've got 300 million people killed by governments, even outside of war. This cannot be conceivably called an optimum way of dealing with social problems. I mean, it can't, can, nobody could look at that and say, that is the very best that human beings could ever possibly do. No, there's room for improvement. And by improvement, we don't mean tweaking. We don't mean fixing slavery by replacing whips with, uh, by replacing cat or nine tails with cat or eight tails, right? I mean, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. We're talking about fundamentally reexamining the institutions that cause such catastrophes. Uh, throughout human life. Millions of people in jail throughout the world. You've got uh, organized crime, corrupting police departments. Uh, you have uh, uh, unions squashing 
the uh, educational potentials of children. I mean, this, this is not the best that we can do. And tweaking isn't going to do it because an institution which is five to 10,000 years old, uh, which is the state, has been tweaked a lot over the last five or 10,000 years. If incredibly ingenious and brilliant human beings who've been working at tweaking the state for five or 10,000 years have only gotten this this far, then another tweak isn't going to do it. I I don't think, I'm I'm too humble to think that I'm somehow smarter than five or 10,000 years of highly interested human beings attempting to solve these problems. I'm going to say no. If five or 10,000 years of intense human intellectual, moral, and social effort has produced what we have now, then... No, no. It, another tweak is not going to help. We need to look at things more fundamentally. And the tweaks that we've been doing haven't really been improving things at all. The ones that could actually improve things, like not that I support that even, even if the government was getting smaller or anything like that, it's still not the right type of system. But the kind but at of least tweaks, it would be heading in the right direction. Oh, granted, but it would still, it'd be like, I can't come up with an analogy, but it it would be like just delaying the inevitable you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be actually helping in the long run well if if, but if government were if governments were getting smaller uh in in a sort of consistent way it would be because people were replacing violent solutions with peaceful solutions but that never happens right Uh, and you can mention of course uh, which can be helpful to me and i'm sure to you it's common knowledge but a lot of people don't know it that well the imbalance of incentives right so the people who are profiting from government power have a massive incentive to continue a particular government program, right? So it could be artists getting grants, uh, it could be farmers, it could be um, postal workers, it could be school teachers, it could be retired people who are get- like whoever it is. They have a massive incentive to keep these programs going. Whereas each taxpayer who's being taxed fifty or a hundred or a thousand bucks for each one of these ten thousand programs has no particular incentive to stop any one of them. And it's this imbalance of incentives that is continually making the state bigger and bigger and bigger. Because if I can get a million dollars a year from the government, I have a massive incentive to lobby the government to keep that going. But my million dollars a year costs, what, 30 bucks for each Canadian? What incentive do they have to stop me? Well, 30 bucks worth, right? So it's this massive imbalance of incentives that causes the problem. And uh, it's one of the major things. And that can't be solved. That can't be solved within the context of the institution. Whenever you have a violent transfer of wealth, you create these imbalance of incentives. Uh, and this is exactly how the mafia works, right? I mean, the mafia uh, has this imbalance of incentives insofar as if I'm running some store and they come and take $1,000 a month from me from protection money, um, whereas if I go for to try and take the organization down, I'm likely to get me and my family killed. Well, this is an imbalance of incentives, right? So uh, I'll just pay them their money and and live with with. The, the whatever's left over from paying them off. And so this imbalance of incentives, violence always works that way, right? So for people who are using violence, there's a huge incentive to continue to expand it. And for people on the receiving end, there's very little incentive to fight it because the stakes are so high. So, uh, you know, just talk about these imbalance of incentives and, uh, uh, you know, that, that it's, and it's not that everybody in the government is evil. Uh, it's just that the system itself it just doesn't work in any fundamental way. Violence doesn't solve problems. Violence doesn't solve problems. Now, people, of course, will start hurling all these objections at you. Uh, and, I, you know, in 20 minutes, I would sort of say, like, but the whole point is I don't have any answers. And the whole point is that nobody has any answers. And the state is the illusion of an answer. The state is just pointing a bunch of guns at people and saying, hey, look, we're organized. 
right? But that's like locking a bunch of people into a room, throwing in some textbooks and say, look, an education. No, <laughs> it's not. It's an illusion. I don't have the answer as to how the roads will be built. I don't have the answer as to how national defense will be provided. Because if I had the answer, if somebody had the perfect answer for how society should be organized, then that person should be the political, economic, and moral dictator of the world. But the reality is nobody knows how all these things are going to be done. I mean, nobody even knows how a freaking pencil gets made, right? I mean, there's like probably a thousand people contribute to the making of a single pencil. Not one person has enough skills to, to dig up the graphite and grow the wood and treat the wood and come up with the paint and paint, you know, it's an entry the eraser. Who the hell knows what that stuff is made of, right? <laughs> so if, you, if a human being doesn't, no single human being even knows how to make a pencil, how on earth could any individual or group of individuals know how society should be run? I don't know who you should marry. I don't know what job you should have. I don't know what you should take in school. Because if I knew all of these things, then I would just, you would just come to me and say, what should I do? And I'd say, do this, 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 and this. And you'd go off and do it, and you'd be perfectly happy. But no human being has this knowledge. And I don't know how all the problems in the world are going to be solved in the absence of a government. But I sure as hell know that they're not being solved, but rather being made worse by the presence of, uh, uh, of, of violence. Just like when you, when you get rid of slavery, people say to you, well, how's this slave going to get a job? And how's this slave going to get a job? And what about this guy? Like, I don't know. I don't know, because if I knew exactly what slaves should be doing, they should still be slaves to me. But the reality is nobody has this knowledge, right? So I wouldn't try and get sucked into explaining how everything could work. And you could say, look, there's tons of examples of how this stuff does get solved peacefully. But it's like saying if we get rid of forced marriage, how on earth will people get married? Well, they'll go to singles bars. They'll hook up online. They'll join clubs. They'll meet in school. doesn't matter. I don't have an answer as to how, how each individual is going to get married if you get rid of an enforced marriage market. But the point is, it's just a wrong and inefficient way to do things. It's immoral to use force. And what happens in the absence of force, who knows? But that doesn't matter. What matters is that we don't use force to solve these problems. Anyway, that would sort of be just because people would try to sucker you into being the, you know, the, the genius of the ages who can solve every problem on the fly uh, without a government. And uh, I'd try and avoid that if I were you. Yeah, I agree completely. The, one of my biggest goals is just to get people talking about this stuff. I find most people kind of, even when you talk to them about it, they kind of shy away from it and they'll never mention it again to anyone. You know, they'll think about it. But I just want people to be able to understand that, like you said, it's not there's no solution right now and what we currently have isn't working and it's going to stay that way if no one is willing to communicate about it right right and we have to i think look for uh, some really creative and different solutions and it's the solutions that work in our own lives that's where we should start right yep oh like i've i've read uh, your books and you have great solutions to it and you know, if you could implement them and all that, it would be a great world. But who says that someone else doesn't have a better solution? So oh, exactly. It's, yeah. It's more like everyone needs to talk about things and more people need to be exposed to the current solutions that do exist and need to think about new solutions or better solutions if they do exist. Um, however, you know, I, I like your solutions. They're very, very good. I'm just thinking that five billion minds or six billion minds, you know, can come up with better things. And we need to work at that. You're right. Right. And then if people say, well, I don't think it'll work. I don't think it's like, well, then then how does it work in your life? How does it work in your personal life? Because if it doesn't work, like society is just people. Right. And if it works in everybody's personal life to not use violence to get what they want, then how does it not work 
like how many people? So we've got 20 people in the coffee shop or 50 people in the coffee shop. Is it 51? Suddenly we all get to use force or some of us. Is it 52? Is it 100? Is it 10,000? At what point do the moral rules completely reverse? And now violence is, a, is the only and the best and, and the only uh, decent way to solve social problems. I, I couldn't agree more. That, where, that, where's the number change? I, I've never, never got an answer to that. And of course, there isn't one. That's why. Well, that's actually a very good way of like letting people understand that democracy is not that great, um, especially people that think that democracy is absolutely amazing. And if you go, well, 50, if 51% of the people thought that we should go back to slavery, would you, you know, would you think that that was okay for the 49% that were, you know, most likely minorities? And that usually kind of clues into someone. Someone will go like, yeah, wait a sec. That's not really, you know, the right kind of system. So, right, right. Right. I mean, that there's moral rules that, that go above and beyond the majority. And um, perhaps we should focus on expanding those moral rules rather than expanding the power of the government that violates those moral rules around the non-initiation of force. Exactly. So I'm thinking about writing up something to like what I'm going to talk about because I only have about 20 minutes. Um, and I was wondering if you would like to go over it afterwards, after I've written it up, and just kind of give me your ideas and opinions on it. It'll be like short form. I think. I mean, I, I think not. Not not because I wouldn't enjoy it, but uh, I think that you, you need to own the speech. And so, you know, we've had this conversation. You've obviously heard a lot of voluntarist theory. So, oh, yes. uh, you know, you, you got to focus on the stuff that's going to hit. This, it has to hit you, not the the audience, because it can't hit the audience unless it hits you. True. Right. So, so, you know, whatever is going to make you the most passionate and fired up and, you know, and calm and collected and sane looking and all, uh, that <laughs> is, uh, uh, that is what, what I think will count. The only thing that I would suggest, um, and of course I've done not a huge amount of public speaking live. I've done some, uh, but I would strongly, strongly suggest that it's all about practice, practice, practice. And if you can get someone, you can ask people on the message board to, to listen. You can record something and throw it up there for people to listen, but it's all about the practice. Um, even when you know a topic really well, like when I was preparing for the Bednarik debate, I think I did three or four podcasts that I threw out to donators for uh, for feedback. Uh, and then I did uh, a live presentation uh, of the speech to anybody. Well, I think there were a bunch of donators who were interested uh, in, in hearing uh, my arguments. And, that, like, and for real, not just like a skim. Uh, I, of course, I chatted about it with friends. I chatted about it with my wife, what it is that I was going to do. Uh, I had a long drive down where I practiced speech two or three times. Uh, it, it's really, really key to, to be prepared and to, to, um, to not go with, you know, a couple of off the, like notes and just sort of wing it. Uh, but to, to be prepared. And then it's okay if you go off book, right? But at least you know you're going off book and then you have some place to get back to. Uh, so I think that the preparation is key. And I found that it's five to ten times the amount of time to give the speech to prepare uh, and practice for the speech. And I think that's uh, I think that's really important. Okay. Well, I've never done this in front of people other than students that uh, were in my class that I knew very well. So this is going to be an interesting uh, experience, and I really appreciate your advice. Yeah, and seriously, if you can get – I mean, there's – 
Uh, there's little MP3 players that will record. You know, just just get a recording if you can get video. So much the better. But uh, just try and get a recording. And even if you never do anything with the rec- recording, other than listen to it yourself, it's really uh, it's really helpful. So that you can hear where you're clear. You can hear where you're fuzzy. Uh, you can hear where you got thrown. Uh, and those are all really really useful things. I mean, to to be a good public speaker is a fantastic thing. It's a great ability. But uh, it's ninety percent you know perspiration and ten percent inspiration. Uh, and I did this. I do the same thing for all of my public appearances, uh, even for debates that I have with people, uh, even on YouTube. I will prepare, you know, more arguments than I could ever use, and I will sort of prioritize them and color code them and practice and practice. And I think that's uh, that's really important. Preparation uh, is uh, is is effectiveness in this kind of thing. Okay. Well, I do have a, a video camera, so I will be. Uh, recording it. Um, I will only post it though if I feel comfortable doing so. But uh, I definitely think I'm going to practice a lot more now. Now that I yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know, you can. Uh, we can put it in the donator section so there's just a small minority of people would get a chance to see it and give you feedback. But uh, uh, I think it's uh, it's useful because there's lots of other people who are interested in this kind of thing. So I think your experience would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And do you think that this would help other people? Maybe encourage them to also kind of give talks? Oh, I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I think that it is very important to get out and engage uh, with people uh, in, in society. Uh, and it's, but it's a very, very, very tough thing to do. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, so I really applaud uh, what it is you're doing. It's not easy at all. So, um, so good for you. And I think that it is the kind of thing that people should see a lot more of. I agree. And would it be uh, okay with you if I added uh, information on your like your website and stuff like that so i can oh make- absolutely yeah i would be i would be thrilled um but uh yeah just if you can try and refer to this a philosophy website or whatever you know and one of the conclusions is anarchy but you know if they say it's an anarchy website then people might be a little confused but uh, that would be great okay perfect i i will definitely enjoy this i definitely hope so was there any other tips that you had or no, I have a, um, uh, if you get a chance, uh, I do have a, um, a video on public speaking, which you can find on my channel. And uh, you can check that out if you like. But uh, um, uh, no, I, I think you'll do great. I mean, I, I think with, the, with practice and all that, um, I mean, you'd, you'd do fine. Don't get me wrong. You'd do fine without any practice. It's just that more practice is, is better. Uh, and especially given the challenge of the ideas, uh, I think that uh, the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable people will be in hearing them. Mm-hmm. Well, I've gotten pretty comfortable talking one-on-one with people and dealing with their questions and stuff like that over the last few months. So I this is like the next kind of step for me. So, Well, great for you, man. Uh, and I, I really look forward to hearing how it goes. I will definitely let you know. And regardless, I'll let you watch the video. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, please do. I will. Thanks, man. Take care. Best of luck. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.